So today's show is gonna be a little bit different, but we're gonna do it on solo mode. Welcome, friends, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I'm Mike Gomer-Gormley, and I'm flying solo today as Dave, he must increase, I must decrease, Van Vickle leads a couple of parish missions here in Houston. Uh, I want to do some updates for y'all. If you want to bring Dave to your diocese, parish, school, or event, head over to his website, thesinnersguide.com. I love the fact that that is Dave's website. Mine's layevangelist.com, but his is thesinnersguide.com. I love it. This guy is amazing. So he, unlike me, puts up all the places where he's going to speak. So if you want to go and hear him, uh, check out his calendar page. He has all the events posted that he's scheduled to do up until September. And if you want to cry your eyes out like me and my wife did the other night, please, please, please read his latest blog post, The Consolation of Tears on Both Sides of the Cross. It is, oh man, it is it is intense. And this is why we love Dave, because he does things like that. Um, also for me, uh, I'm going to be doing a ton of traveling. Lent is when Catholic parishes decide, hey, let's do a parish mission. I recommend doing parish missions during Easter season as well. It's a great time too. But I will be heading to Traverse City, Michigan for a talk at St. Joe's Parish in the evening on uh, March 5th. That'll be fun. Evangelization, discipleship, and stuff like that. The next day I'm doing a middle school retreat, and you can't come to that. Yes, I'm doing a middle school retreat. Every time I think I'm out of youth ministry, they pull me back in. It's going to be a lot of fun, though. Then I go to Denver, um, the Denver area. I'll be at Highland Ranch on Marth, uh, Marth, March 8th and 10th, 8th through the 10th, at St. Mark's Parish. So St. Mark's Parish in Highland Ranch in Denver area. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. That That is a parish mission. Uh, all are invited. Then I'm going to fly to Anchorage. So if you're in Anchorage, Alaska, I'm going to do another parish mission on March 15th to the 17th at Holy Cross Parish. Big shout out to all of our listeners from there. Finally, right before my daughter's first Holy Communion, please pray for her. We love, love, love doing this preparation process with her. Um, I will be back in Michigan at St. John and Paul Parish in Washington, Michigan on March 22nd to the 24th. That's another normal parish mission. A lot of times when I do parish missions, they're Sunday to Tuesday. That way I can kind of get away with the traveling. I can still be present as much as possible during the week with my office staff. Often I work on um, Saturdays or in the evenings. And so being gone Tuesday to Friday or Tuesday or being present in the office um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, is often enough if I can do all the remote stuff um, when I'm gone at a parish mission. So working a full-time job while having a full-time travel schedule does get a little bit nuts, does get a little bit nuts. Um, so let's explain what we're going to do today. So today's show is going to be a little bit different. I wanted to create a full show for you, but we're going to do it on solo mode. So hopefully we can still say meaningful and fun and all that stuff without Dave the Beef Eater Van Vickle. So here's the format I want to play with a little bit today. Uh, we're going to do a little inspirational message from me about the cross of Christ to ground the show today. And then we're going to go on to some listener emails. Now, two things about listener emails. Number one, we have received probably about a dozen emails in the last two, maybe three weeks from people who aren't asking us any questions. They are just 
telling us what is happening and what they're seeing. And it's awesome. I, I mean, like big and small stuff. And I want to emphasize these things. Brothers and sisters, we need to hear glory stories, especially as the news media is filled with gory stories of the Catholic Church today, right? There are so many disheartening, saddening things that are going on. I mean, it, it breaks my heart to even open the news. So most of the time I don't, and I feel good. But <laughs> the the idea is we need to focus on spreading the gospel and letting the miracles of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ occur in our neighborhood. Someone said to me um, about this or that bishop the other day, and I said, well, uh, I hope it's not true, but if it is true, it still doesn't affect me because I'm preaching the gospel. Right right now, all I can do for the church is love my neighbors, right, and just pour out the gospel. So we're going to talk about listener emails of people who, because of this show and the Holy Spirit, et cetera, but because of this show, their yes has become bold and is leading them into new things. And I think it's great, and I want to highlight some of those. Then we're going to cover... Uh, two great questions, and I'll answer them as best I can without Dave. But uh, we, we have these two questions that come up came up pretty recently. We have Joe asking about how can he make his meetings. He, he runs a Catholic nonprofit that helps the homeless in Alaska. Um, he wants to talk about how can his board meetings keep Christ at the center and with spiritual growth and not just numbers actually driving the conversation, which I think is a wonderful, wonderful question. And then we have Zachary asking about college ministry that he kind of helps out at, neighboring parish kind of thing. And him and a coworker are trying to get stuff up and running. And they said they feel great about catechesis, but they're on the struggle bus with charisma, right? With proclaiming the gospel. Where can they go for charisma training? So these are two great questions that we'll get to in a minute, and then we'll wrap up the show. But first, I want to offer a bit of inspiration for you evangelists out there. And here it is. I want to encourage you right now to put the cross at the center, right? So what I mean by this is the cross of Jesus Christ and the gratuitous salvation that comes from it is the message of every evangelist. It's why St. Paul talks about knowing nothing other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Think about that. The greatest evangelist in the history of the church said, I know nothing among you other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, this is the attitude that we need to have. St. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, it's no longer I who live, but Christ within me, right? So we start to think about this. I have been crucified with Christ. We think about baptism. St. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, that baptism is this beautiful sacrament of faith that brings me into the family of God, incorporates me into the body of Christ, but it's all rooted in the death of Jesus, where he says, do you not know that those of you who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? And then he talks about the resurrection. I don't want to minimize that, but the first step is this notion of the cross, the death of Jesus. But that's not just the first sacrament of the Catholic Church rooted in the dying of Christ. The whole Paschal mystery of his dying and rising is the center of all the sacraments. What do we say of the Mass? It is the holy sacrifice of the Mass, right? United to his once for all sacrifice 2,000 years ago. So when we look at this, it's not just the sacramental life, but it also has to become our spirituality as evangelists. We have to say, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. But it also has to become 
our worldview. What does this mean? It means that we place and we look for the cross of Jesus Christ at the center, not only of our own lives, but also in the actual topics that we're talking about. Now, you've heard me talk about this before. You've heard me talk about things like in every single catechetical thing, I labor to put the cross and resurrection at the center of my teachings. But what I really mean is that the the dying God, that God himself died on a cross as a condemned criminal needs to be the center of it because from that action flows all the mercy and the grace, right? Flows all the mercy of the grace. So whether you're an evangelist, a catechist, a preacher, a teacher, an apostle, or a prophet, the cross of Christ needs to be at the center of what we do. Now, the cross does two things incredibly well. It unveils the ugliness and self-destruction of our sin, and simultaneously, so you get to see the ugliness of human sinfulness, and simultaneously it reveals the good and beautiful God. It unveils the ugliness, and it reveals the beauty of God. Bishop Barron loves to talk about uh, Hans Urs von Balthasar. Whenever you listen to Bishop Barron, he talks about either either, uh, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, he talks about, um, who else, St. Thomas Aquinas, Paul Tillich, a Protestant theologian, and Hans Urs von Balthasar. Now, I studied Hans Urs von Balthasar. I love me some Hans Urs. But uh, he loves to say, he was on a podcast that I actually think is Bishop Barron's best podcast. And to those of you who listen to my other, other podcasts that I do know where I'm going to say, he was on this weightlifting and health podcast for trainers called Mind Pump. And he did two episodes. I would encourage you to go on there and listen to those two episodes with Bishop Barron. I think hands down, especially the second episode I've listened to twice, hands down his best interview yet for the money, hands down. But this is what he said when they were talking, like, what, what, you know, what is the, what does it mean to be a Christian or what, what is Christianity? What's its essential thing? He said that Christ pursues us to the very limits of God forsakenness. Now, that language is very Balthazarian. What did Hans Urs von Balthasar say? He believed that the full self-emptying of God wasn't just manifest on the cross and on Good Friday, but ultimately on Holy Saturday with the full descent into hell, right? The Apostles' Creed said hell. The Nicene Creed says of the dead. But if you think about it, if he descends into hell, that is the absolute extreme limits of God forsakenness. Uh, where man fully says no to God, God still says yes to man. I, I love that image of what does the cross mean? It's Christ pursuing us to the very limits of God forsakenness. Now, my professor in grad school at FUS, uh, good old Franciscan, he taught my von Balthasar class, which I loved. I loved that class. He even ended up, uh, Dr. Regis Martin ended up writing a book that was uh, a reflection. I think it was called The Suffering of Love. It was a reflection of von Balthasar's words that were a reflection on the Stations of the Cross. And I, I loved that book. Um, but he had this line that he would quote from, I think it was the Balthasar's The Moment of Christian Witness. And Dr. Regis Martin, you know, Dr. Regis Martin has a very theatrical and raspy voice. And he would say this line, and I love this. He said, when you, when you distill it all the way down, when you look at Christianity, pull back from all the other stuff, what do you have at its core? And Dr. Martin, I'm going to do my terrible Dr. Martin impression. You have, and he's quoting von Balthasar here, the ineffable poverty of the divine incarnate crucified love. The ineffable, that means unthinkable, unspeakable, unimaginable poverty 
of the divine incarnate crucified love. Think about that today. The divine incarnate crucified love of Jesus is an ineffable poverty. We aren't used to thinking about the cross as a poverty, but that's exactly St. Paul's metaphor when he describes this in 2 Corinthians and describes the riches of Christianity. He says, Christ, though he was rich for your sake, became poor. For your sake became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. That is unthinkable, unspeakable, unimaginable poverty to go from God, the creator of the universe, sovereign Lord of everything, to become a creature within that universe. That God would become one of us, but then when he becomes one of us, doesn't sit on the throne at Caesar's palace or or, you know, Washington, D.C., he, he becomes regarded as the worst of us, a condemned criminal, a pretender to the throne, an insurrectionist, and he's killed. Think about that absolute poverty. Put on the cross of Christ, evangelist, in all that you are doing. Say to yourself, how can I embrace the cross, the poverty of Jesus Christ, in order to manifest his saving love? How can I make others rich in grace. Ask yourself that right now. How can I make others rich in grace? If you want to be an evangelist, you have to be thinking about this. If you want to be an evangelist, if you want to make Christ truly known and loved, you have to admit there is only one road, one path, one way to do this, and that is the way of the cross. This Lent, let Friday fasts and penances and all that stuff kindle in your heart this fire of the divine incarnate crucified love of Jesus. Let the Spirit call you to personal repentance more and more, which is what the cross makes possible. It makes it possible for you and I to repent and not despair, so that once we taste his great mercy, you can spread the gospel not with arrogance, not with self-aggrandizement, but with humility. Nothing gives you access to souls more than humility. Nothing repulses people more than arrogance and self-aggrandizement than pride. What do we say about prideful people? That they are full of themselves. What do we say about humble people, right? That they are not full of themselves, so there's room for Christ to move. Look, I'm watching people today use the Catholic Church left and right, and many of them are very well-meaning. Some of them, I personally believe, are not well-meaning, but they're using the gospel and the church to aggrandize themselves and to actually materially enrich themselves. Now, I I don't have anyone, (laughs) I don't have any problem or begrudge anyone an honest income or wealth. You write a book, you sell a book, you make money from the book. Look, you got money from the book. That's awesome. But there is a tendency today to try to market the gospel in a way that perhaps is actually a form of running from the cross. And, And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for your ministries that you're a part of or that maybe you run or maybe I don't you're just hoping and dreaming about a ministry that you can launch some apostolate that you want to start. Don't run from the cross when you're forming your ministry. In fact, I believe that God is going to anoint those ministries that pass through the way of the cross, especially at its very beginning. The world, the flesh and the devil are here to disrupt your apostolate in Christ. Those three things, the world, the flesh, and the devil, are going to disrupt it. They are going to attack it. But the only way you can conquer the world, the flesh, and the devil are through the cross of Jesus Christ. The world, 
The world will give you trouble, but take courage, for I have conquered the world. How did he conquer the world? Through his death and resurrection. The flesh, right? How many times does St. Paul in the book of Romans talk about crucifying ourselves with Christ Jesus, right? We must put to death the deeds of the flesh so that the life of the spirit can remain, and the devil. Of course, we all know that by the cross of Jesus Christ, he transferred you from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light, right? So let the cross tear down the idols of your own heart and tear down the idols there in our own ministries and our own things. Guys, let the cross be the center. As Romans 8 declares, it is the spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Now, this is the part we wish St. Paul did not add. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Wow. Put the cross at the center of your everything, your own identity, your own mission, your own apostolate, your vocation. Put the cross at the center. All right. Now, on to the listener emails. First, I want to take a simple email that I loved. Jeff, you are nice, concise, and to the point. He says, I really enjoy your podcast, and I've been able to share it with the parish that I'm at. Thank you. The highest compliment you could ever pay to a podcast nerd is by sharing the podcast. It's not even donating at patreon.com slash CF. No, 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 no. It is actually sharing episodes that are meaningful to you. I don't know if they regularly subscribe or not, but it's been a blessing and an encouragement to me. Thank you, Jeff. He also says, I've started a men's group for evangelization at my parish. What? A men's group? for evangelization. How awesome is that? Jeff, if you're hearing this, tell me more. I want to know more. I don't care if it's just starting and it's three guys in the church basement as an excuse for eating donuts. I want to hear more. I really like listening to your resource recommendations. For example, Sherry Waddell's Forming Intentional Disciples, and he capitalized the word really. Thanks. Well, Jeff, thank you. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for getting together a men's group. Thank you for actually taking our resource recommendations seriously. As one person said, every time you record an episode, I buy three new books. I love it. Now we're going to go all the way out to Ireland. Lee Set in Ireland reached out to us, and here is her letter. Just a quick email, which I've been meaning to send. Should I read it in an Irish accent? No, I should not. Uh, <laughs> which I've been meaning to send for ages since you said you were trying to find out more about your listenership, which we are, we are, we are. We want to know more about you. We want to understand where you're coming from. Okay, I'm a stay-at-home mum, mum, M-U-M. I love that. I'm a stay-at-home mum living in Ireland. I have been a keen listener of your podcast since the beginning, and I, capital L-O-V-E it. I love that. Listen to some episodes multiple times. Share my favorite episodes with husbands and friends. What a great compliment. In fact, I think your podcast is such gold dust. One of my New Year's resolutions was to listen to two episodes a week, the current episode, and to start from the beginning and listen to the oldies. Although I haven't been so good with my resolutions. Oh, boy. <laughs> Maybe I will begin in Lent because it's very doable unless the homework is compulsory. Man, those take fives really get you. On the subject of homework, I usually manage one or two elements of it, but I love the fact that you set homework. It is so easy to be a consumer of podcasts, but homework pushes us out of our comfort zone to ultimately go and make disciples of all nations. Now she says, I know my primary people to evangelize are my two daughters, five and one. How 
Very, very observant. That is so true. But my heart is burning to share the charisma with more people. Your podcast is helping me do that bit by bit through conversations I have with relatives and friends, trying to put together my own testimony, long and short versions, reading a chapter of the gospel every day. I remember you saying you should be reading a gospel a week or so. I am also a Blessed Is She sister, another excellent, excellent program that we have. And uh, I'm going to take a step in faith and host a Lent gathering in my home. So I don't know what she was doing. She obviously has a lovely relationship with Christ before she ever heard this podcast. But because of things like the homework and, and the content of the episodes and just stepping out and being bold, look at this beautiful stuff. She's recontextualizing her motherhood as how can I evangelize my five and one-year-old? She has a burning desire to share the gospel with more people. She's opening up her home for a Lenten gathering. This is awesome. So she concludes by saying, so thank you for your podcast, your ministry, the sacrifice of your time. Dave, your family, especially your wife, are in my prayers. Oh, thank you, Lisa. We are so happy you're listening out in Ireland. And thank you for building us that strong Irish listener base. I, too, am an Irishman. My uh, great-grandparents on both my mom's and my dad's side straight from Ireland. So uh, thank you for being a good listener. And one day, I'll come out to Ireland, and we can all party together. All right, so I have another wonderful, wonderful one from Laura and Joe. Uh, Laura writes, Hello, Gomer and Dave. I've been meaning to write you for a while now, but I'm just now sitting down to do it. My husband found your podcast the week it came out, and both of us have been listening ever, th ever since. Thank you to the marketing team on that one. I want to share with you the ways in which you have empowered both he and I to become better Catholic evangelizers. And before I do, I want to remind Dave that both Joe and I are members of St. Mary Magdalene Church, where he came for a retreat this last September. I also want to say that your podcast is about a third of the motivation for us being all in and fully alive for Christ, the other being um, the intervention of Father Dave Pavanka, the new president of FUS and personal friend of Dave Van Vickle's uh, family, um, and a uh, pilgrimage that they went on. So she says, I started listening to your podcast. Uh, since I started listening, I have done the following. She started an adult ministry committee of volunteers to fill the hole that exists without a DRE or director of adult ministry in the parish. They meet monthly. And with our advice, right, when we talked about adult faith formation, how do you start? They're not trying to do too much. Number two, she approached March, uh, they approached Mark Joseph at the last June's Power and Purpose Conference, which for those of you who don't know about Power and Purpose, it's the charismatic conference that they host on campus at Franciscan. And Mark Joseph is a part of the Christian Outreach Office. And um, he, she comes out and says, I want to be a missionary. And he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. And at first she thought, yeah, I'll be an ambassador and bring this conference maybe to my diocese. Now she's an area coordinator with the Christian Outreach Office, and she's doing all that she can to promote both youth and adult conferences, the discipleship quads, which are excellent, excellent resources, Franciscan at home online classes for those of you who want to study more, Metanoia, which is a new series by Father Dave Pavanka, which is, I think the last one was on Sin and Grace, series uh, four, really amazing, and the Wild Goose is Loose videos, um, so good. Uh, and she's doing all this as a volunteer, and I can't tell you how awesome how awesome, Laura, it is to hear you're doing this as a volunteer because so many people <laughs> keep wanting to get paid and there is no resources at a parish. If you have 10 hours a week, one of the most powerful things you can do is volunteer. 
Um, third, she says this March she co-led a, re- a day retreat with the youth ministers in their parish because they can't afford to fly a day there three times a year. Uh, and this one was for elementary age youth volunteers. So these are people who are engaging in the actual ministry, and they did a retreat for them. DREs. This is such a great thing. Have a day of reflection in the middle of the year for your catechists, for your teachers, for your youth volunteers, for your core members. So powerful. Awesome, Laura. Now she's talking about her husband. Joe has joined the parish council. This is what we need. We don't just need angry people who are upset that their bridge club meeting was moved from Thursday to Friday. We need evangelists on parish councils. We need to take them over. So he joined parish council. He, we decided to do a pursue a master's degree in catechesis and evangelization through Franciscan. Awesome. I got my grad degree through FUS. Uh, he's also volunteering in prison ministry. Oh, amazing. Special place in my heart for that. And he began attending a second men's group at the church um, just to cross-pollinate and see if he can bring more of that charismatic love for encountering Jesus into the midst of their kind of intellectual pursuit of the Catholic faith. Um, and so she wanted to say, and I hope this hits a note for you. She said, the episode that really struck me the most was March 6, 2019, about being bold. I felt like it was all I needed to step out of my comfort zone and make things happen in my parish, even if I am a lay person. How amazing is that? You are doing such wonderful service for the Lord in your podcast, and it absolutely must stay on the air. Agreed. I cannot tell you how many books we have bought because you two recommended them. Uh, Dave, my husband, and I both see the value of Soul of the Apostolate, but you must be smarter than us. We had trouble getting through it. Dave is not smarter than you. He just kept going back and back and back. We love the way of the disciple. They bought Evangelii Gaudium because Gomer, I kept referencing it, and countless others. I just want to say, in closing, that I am incredibly on fire for my faith, and I owe a large part of that to the two of you. I'm fully committed to do whatever is needed of me to rebuild the Catholic Church in America. I love working with your alma mater. We love it, too. I agree with Father Dave that FUS has a sacred charism at this point in the church's history, and I'm excited to see where the Spirit is leading all of this. I love that. And she has this great line, I want nothing more than to serve his bride, the church, to reverse the trend of people falling away from her love and protection. I will not let this happen on my watch. Oh, oh, love it. Peace, Laura and Joe. Well, peace to you guys too. God bless you. All right, we got another email that I think is fantastic. Okay, and deep breath, because this is going to be awesome. I wanted to share some exciting things that are happening here in Los Angeles, especially in the small, poor Catholic school that I work at in East L.A., I teach religion and science in grades 6 through 8, and I've been approaching the work of religion teaching as evangelization since I started. My emphasis has always been facilitating students' personal relationship with Christ through evangelization and prayer, but of course I am faced with plenty of resistance and doubts, especially with the older kids. And obviously a good religion class, even an evangelization and prayer-based one, is not quite enough to break through to every heart. Okay, I just want to pause for the cause here, people. She said, obviously, kids are resistant. She's facing all of this, you know, resistance and doubts, especially among the older older kids. And the older kids are eighth graders, right? She's not talking about high school students. People, we have to stop real, (laughs) we have to stop pretending like confirmation. The reason why confirmation equals graduation is because they don't really believe. They don't have Christ at the center of their lives. They don't understand what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, his Catholic church. They don't understand this stuff. So they get the sacrament and they're done. 
And a lot of people have high school confirmations. They're like, oh my gosh, they're all atheists. Well, guess what? Guess what? All this stuff starts in middle school. And so this is, uh, I think, a kind of exciting way that they have approached it. Now, I'm a part of a lay community sanctioned by Bishop Dave called Stone to Flesh, which has been gathering, especially young adults, together for formation, awesome, prayer, awesome, worship, service, and evangelization for the past three years. I need to find out more about Stone to Flesh, which I'm guessing is a scriptural <laughs> allusion to the heart. Uh, that would be funny. I mean, like, I can't imagine what else it would be. Stone to Flesh. Uh, a part of that ministry is becoming trained in Alpha and hosting Alpha groups all across the city. Stone to Flesh is hosting four adult Alpha groups right now. So four adult Alpha groups are going on. But I got permission from my school principal to hold Youth Alpha once a week during my two-hour religion block for eighth graders. Okay, now I know a lot of people have issues with Alpha. Okay, so I'm not just going saying everything with Alpha is fine, it's perfect, whatever. But Alpha is really effective, and you're about to listen. Five other young adults, in addition to myself, are hosting the groups. They come in at 7.15 to pray before welcoming the kids at 7.45. I'm going to tell you the secret to Alpha, that right there. You come early and you pray. We hosted our first session on Friday, and it was unbelievable. I could hear those kids who have been most resistant, deeply engaging with the questions Alpha was presenting. One thing Alpha does better than anyone else, here is Michael Gormley talking, is the small group resources are better than anyone else ever. I have never seen training as simple but as powerful as that. Um, and the joy and the openness in the room throughout the experience was palpable. What's more, the third grade teacher, without knowing what was happening in my class, told me that the day she told me that day that she planned with the parish to have their first ever Eucharistic Holy Half Hour immediately after the first Alpha group. So these kids go from Alpha directly into adoration. How epic is that? So our first graders, first introduction to Eucharistic adoration happened. So our eighth graders' first introduction to Eucharistic adoration happened immediately after Alpha. And with a facilitation example of the other young adult role models who chose to stick around and pray with us after Alpha. How amazing is that? Also, she talks about in uh, the administration in her Catholic school, like many Catholic schools, they might not understand evangelization. Come on, just teach the curriculum. It's nothing like they're godless heathens. They just don't understand it. And so they tend not to support it. Well, she said the spirit is working because the same principal who gave me an immediate and enthusiastic yes when I presented the idea of Alpha to her has furthermore allowed her to teach a new sexual integrity, human dignity, and TOB class to the eighth graders. How epic is that? Because they've never even addressed human sexuality from a Catholic perspective before, and it's kind of a taboo topic in the East LA community. Think about that. So these, uh, I can't wait. Christina, I can't wait to hear your glory stories about what's coming out of that. So thank you again for your ministry. I believe we'll continue to fan the fire for evangelization in the church. I'm praying for you guys, and I ask for your prayers as we continue to be open to the Holy Spirit's work in Southern California. Peace, Christina. Oh, Christina, you make my heart so happy. All right, now we're on to the listener questions. We got two questions. Here we go. Uh, first from Joe. Hey guys, avid listener of the show and super thankful for the great work EKSB is doing. If you guys had a moment, I have a question about how to run meetings with your border ministry staff 
or what have you. I have started a nonprofit apostolate working with the homeless in Anchorage, Alaska, and I find myself frustrated whenever I go to board meetings with the lack of Christocentricity, which is my fault as I'm supposed to be the one running the meetings. Ha ha, which is very true. I have met Joe. Joe is an excellent, excellent human person. Terrible vehicle, but an excellent human person. He picked me up in the airport and it was shenanigans, but we had a great time. Joe has a heart for Christ and a heart for service. But the problem is when you meet with your board members that you're legally required to have for all nonprofits, and I'm sure these people are just on fire for serving the poor as he is, so often it falls into the number crunchings, the action items, the motions, and all the other businessy terms, right? He says, my question is basically, how do you guys run your meetings to make sure they are centered on prayer? I'm having a hard time resisting the temptation to just talk about business and leave prayer as a bookend and say a Hail Mary at the beginning and end of the meeting. I feel it should be more centralized on prayer and community, but I don't know if what I did this last meeting was a good way to structure it or not. Just trying to get ideas on how to run more prayerful mission mindset board meetings. Thank you guys so much. Yours in Christ, Joseph. Okay, now he says he that the last one, he was so convicted about this that this is what he did. He decided that they were going to focus on Jesus. So we started the meeting with 20 minutes of prayer. They read through the resurrection account of Matthew uh, in Matthew's gospel. They prayed through discussion questions, had some silence, took five to 10 minutes to pray about the agenda, and then shared what God was doing in our own lives and how we are preparing for Lent. Then one board member shared a story from the mission that he heard to kind of focus everything. Um and that was kind of pulling them away from the action items and all that stuff to really humanize the mission. Um, in the end, I also did affirmations for each board member and tried to really specifically share with them what they uniquely contribute to the team. Okay, number one, that's awesome. Is that a good model? That's an excellent model. I think number one, when your board comes together, it's a different type of meeting than if you're just meeting with your administrative assistant or you're meeting with, you know, someone like that, right? So I am guilty of uh and it's funny because sometimes my my assistant coordinator of adult faith formation, she she she'll listen to this podcast and she'll be like, we rarely pray before meetings. I'm like, that's because you walk in with all these to-dos. I try to blame her. It's totally my fault. When you are doing big picture things, when you are sitting down and talking about the scope and mission, when you are talking about the vision of your apostolate or ministry or outreach or nonprofit or for-profit for that matter, the idea is to draw their attention to the God who over who is sovereign over all of this and not to ignore him, not to bookend God. So you can do this in a variety of ways. Now, if you're having 15, 20-minute meetings, if you're in and out and it is not a, um, a personal or a vision thing, you know, you don't have to have 45-minute Lectio Divina followed by, you know, a, <laughs> a communal penance service. Um, but I will say the idea of uh, humanizing the mission, which you said, and Christocentricity, right, are excellent. My goal would be to ask people to say every single time you meet, what is God doing in your life in concrete ways and having them share uh, specifically from the mission that one board member uh, a time share that those two things are absolutely key as well as spending, I would allot no less than 15 minutes on prayer. 
Now, you can do that prayer in different ways, like you said, meditating on the resurrection account in Matthew's gospel. Especially if you're talking about serving the poor, I would hang out in the middle chapters in the teens of Luke's gospel, 13, 14, 15, 16. Um, those are like the battle scenes between um, Pharisees and Jesus. That's where you get the great prodigal son and all that stuff. But you also get the wedding banquet and all these things that are especially um, focus on serving the needs of the poor. Because what you also want to do is you don't just want to have meetings that are Christocentric. You want to have a ministry that's Christocentric, that puts Christ at the center. And so by focusing explicitly on those gospel passages that speak or connect to your mission and vision, in whether it's of the whole apostolate or what you want to accomplish on that agenda, that is a way of incorporating intellectually and emotionally and you know just getting everything fired on that specific thing. So do what you're doing. That's great. Um, I am not a touchy-feely guy, so being uh, affirmed in public while I crave affirmation, words of affirmation, is actually my primary love language. If people give me that in public, I just like, Meh. I don't like that. Meh. So that might be just a personal thing. But definitely, where is God moving in your life? So the personal personal side, have a testimony of how the mission is being accomplished. And when you do you know, 15 minimum minutes of prayer, try maybe to connect it to the mission overall of the organization or the mission of that day's agenda. That could be very powerful. Do you see each meeting with them as, uh, as a mission itself to educate them, to let them educate you, et cetera, et cetera? All right. Thank you very much, Joseph. All right, moving on. Hello, my name is Zachary, and I've been a, <laughs> I love this, all the hyphens that we get in parish ministry. I've been a youth, college, tech, many parish things worker for about seven months and started listening to EKSB for the last six of those seven months. Wow, that's formation. Thank you for your inspiration and invaluable advice I get uh, as I get to know my parish and how to evangelize. I have a question hopefully you can shed some fresh insight on. Right now, myself and our music ministry partner in serving uh, partner in serving the nearby college. Before I got here, they just began hosting food and faith gatherings where we eat a meal and have a faith-based conversation. It's great to see that routinely 15 to 30 people show up. Awesome. College, free food. That's always the goal. Um, but there is a big issue that we're realizing. I'm starting to realize that we need a track for our programming where we start with the end in mind, full Christian discipleship and mission. However, our student leaders have no idea how to proclaim the charisma. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for being so blunt. They have no idea how to proclaim the charisma. They're all about the actionable takeaway. Good. And the conversation doesn't go much deeper than the students' experiences of friendship, loneliness, anxiety, or service. Both our music minister and myself have more experience and skills in catechesis and discipleship, but we feel ill-equipped to go proclaim the charisma beyond our own personal testimonies, which are not the 180 conversions many of these students would be inspired by. How do we include this as part of our program, or where would you recommend going for better charisma training? Yours, Zachary. Well, I'm going to give you a real quick charisma training um, piece of advice. Uh, there, there's a new book coming out from Ascension Press, and no, Ascension Press did not tell me to do this. There's a new book coming out called The Contagious Catholic, The Art of Practical Evangelization. It's written by a friend of mine, although I have not read it. I have read his blog many a times. I had him out to do a parish mission, and I've met the people who are the fruit of his missionary work. Um, Marcel Lejeune. Marcel Lejeune, we even referenced him and had you go read his uh, website and focus on it uh, on one particular article a while back. I think it was like why you don't want to be a uh, Catholic speaker. 
So that book is coming out soon. It's 16 bucks. The Contagious Catholic, The Art of Practical Evangelization. It is very, very focused on how your development or your uh, personal relationship with Christ from that place, you can invite other people to know and love them. How to do it with your family members, you know, all that stuff with words versus actions. I love that. How to know the difference and, and when to do that. So um, he is the founder of Catholic Missionary Disciples, and there's a lot of really good stuff on his website that can help you with that while you're waiting for the book uh, to be released. It's coming out soon, and I highly, highly will recommend this book because I know Marcel and he is the real deal. So if you're looking for charisma training, I would say maybe buy that book, read through it, and then buy a bunch for your student leaders and have them read through it. Um, but also, let me say this in terms of track and programming and all this stuff. Carving out time to explicitly talk about the cross of Jesus Christ is important. So if you're doing these faith, food and faith gatherings, great. Maybe one day, instead of just having a faith-based conversation, you have someone stand up front and have a 10 or 15 minute talk about the cross of Jesus Christ in their lives or about the necessity of repentance or what is faith? What is faith? What is it as a thing? Right? I think a lot of people don't even understand that. Uh, why, why even be Catholic in this world? Why try to be Catholic in a college culture? Why reject the red solo cup life? What you can do is by having just a few moments where you can explicitly proclaim the kerygma, the basic gospel message that God knows you, God loves you, God desires a relationship with you, which is why he sent his son to die for you, to bring you freed from sin into the life of the church, which is his very body, to fill you with his sacraments, to equip you with every good and perfect gift so that you can be fully alive and enter into the adoption as sons and daughters in Christ Jesus that we have by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do this. You can do this. That is not hard. It's not hard. That was just a sentence. Go back to my Bishop Barron uh, quote from Anzers von Balthasar. This is powerful stuff. Just do a short reflection on that one sentence from Bishop Barron. Well, let me go uh, pull out the line. Pursuing you, right? Uh, Hansers von Balthasar. I love it. I love it. Uh, that Christ pursues us to the very limits of God forsakenness. You could give a 10-minute talk explaining what that means. And then having your wonderful, wonderful uh, student leaders break that down in the discussion. Have it be explicitly faith-based. Now, I'm going to say another thing that might help out. Friendship, loneliness, anxiety, or service. Those are four really big things that are in young adults' lives. So let that be the gateway. Those can be gateways into a conversation about Christ, right? What does it mean to have friendship with Christ? What does it mean to have friends who are friends in Christ? What does loneliness look like? Why are we all so very lonely in college when we live in dorms together? Why do we have such anxiety today? Um, you know, how do we serve in a way that's not me that is meaningful and not self-serving, right? So there are so many ways that you can connect and bring about this wonderful, wonderful gospel um, and incorporate it into the already existing food and faith gatherings that you have. 15-minute talk, explicitly, you know, prepared discussion questions, that can help make it happen. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? 
Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, and Catholic tradition, Matt Fratt has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the Rosary, how to pray the Rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. All right, now we are back, and I want to remind everyone, EKSB at ascensionpress.com will hook you up with us directly. It's one email that goes to me, Dave, and our producer, Marisa, and we can all hear it. And if you have some technical question, Marisa often will just jump in and and solve that problem for you. If you're looking to just talk to me and Dave, more or less, we read through. Once Marisa sees that it's like specifically, you know, questions that might be more personal, she kind of moonwalks out of that conversation so me and Dave can uh, dive in. But um, for our practical takeaways today, the first thing I want you to do is hop online, go to Ascension Press's website, and just look up the description for Marcel Lejeune's The Contagious Catholic. I think it is probably going to be uh, right up your alley, The Contagious Catholic. It's not out yet, um, but Marcel Lejeune is the real deal. Catholic Missionary Disciples is his website. You can learn more about him from there. Um, but the books, the teachings, he's an excellent teacher. So I want you to go check that out. Number two, what I think would be wonderful is if, yes, I know I've said this before, but I want you to read Romans 8 nice and slowly and maybe in adoration. Romans 8, so good, so good. Uh, number three, I want you to take out um, maybe a journal. I'm not a big journaler. I'm trying to be. I always try and fail and all that stuff. But I want you to write out those two lines from uh, those von Balthasarian lines and just maybe write a little reflection, kind of like I did on putting the cross at the center of your life. Um, Christ pursues us to the very limits of God forsakenness. So write that at the top. Christ pursues us to the very limits of God forsakenness and just journal about what that means for you. And what I mean is you can take that journal. I want to give you a lot of freedom here. You can take that and say, oh, what this means is, you know, in my own life, the own, my own places that I've forsaken God, or it could mean maybe Christ is calling you to areas where people would say, God has forsaken this place. God ain't here. And then maybe use that other quote, maybe write down the ineffable poverty of the divine incarnate crucified love and just do a spiritual reflection, do an intellectual reflection, do a ministry reflection, whatever it might be for you as a layperson, as a church worker, whoever you are, as a clergy, the ineffable poverty of the divine incarnate crucified love. Write that down and what it means to you. Number four, pray for the continued healing of Amber Van Vickle and the consolation of their family. Um, one of the reasons why Dave, um, why I'm recording this show today is Dave reached out to me and just, um, you know, He's just exhausted, right? Doing doing all the things. His wife's family that I met once, they are angels. So pray for them, the consolation of their hearts during this time of great struggle. You know, obviously, um, it is it is just painful to watch someone um suffer through cancer and cancer treatments. Um, but just really, people, I know you are. So many of you send emails and stuff saying that you are, but keep praying. And then finally, I want you to pray um, in particular. I want you to pray for your pastor of your church. 
I have done a handful of parish missions lately where I've been at, you know, one church, one pastor for three churches. Guys, guys, we are killing our priests. We are killing our priests. On top of the normal stuff that we kill our priests with, oh, you have to be the perfect theologian, the perfect philosopher, physically fit, an amazing teacher, an amazing preacher. Please don't go more than five minutes, <laughs> like all this stuff. We also are putting them in charge of three different parishes and making them drive for hours from mass to mass to mass. And it, it is it, it is it is a poverty. It is crucifying their soul. But they do it for love of you. And so let's pray for our pastors. All right. God bless you all. My name is Michael Gormley. My buddy, Dave Van Vickle, couldn't be here, but he wants to encourage you to go to his website, thesinnerguide.com. Head over there. Head over to our friend's website at ascensionpress.com and check out all the great things. God bless you all. See you next week. 